This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Chicago's air quality is among the worst in the country, and the issue has been tied to the city's dozens of industrial corridors. Now, a new network of sensors confirms that link. Air quality readings show the highest rates of pollution are in neighborhoods on the south and southwest sides. Now, a team of reporters from WBEZ, the Chicago Sun-Times, and the journalism nonprofit Muckrock are taking a closer look at the issue in a joint investigation. Joining us now to discuss their findings is Maria Inez Samudio, a reporter on WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. Hi, Maria. So good to see you. You too. Also with us on the line is Brett Chase, Chicago Sun-Times environmental reporter. Hi, Brett. Welcome back to Reset. Thank you for having me. And Dylan Bergen is an investigative reporter at Muckrock. Hi, Dylan. Glad you could join us. Hey there. Thank you for having me on. I'll start with you, Dylan, with these new sensors as well. Uh, why were they installed and how do they work? Yeah. So, I mean, the story of Chicago's hyperlocal air quality sensors starts in 2012 with an initiative um, between the University of Chicago and the Argonne National Laboratory. Um, for several years, they worked to develop this hardware for the hyperlocal sensors. And then in 2018 and 2019, they uh, were able to put those up with the uh, Chicago Department of Transportation. Uh, the problem was that the data from these initial sensors weren't really the quality that scientists were hoping for. And uh, so the, as, of, as that study moved on, uh, the, the main takeaways weren't so much from the data itself, but from the fact that Chicagoans wanted to know about their air quality. Uh, scientists throughout the city wanted to study it, and the city of Chicago and CDOT were open to be involved in this type of research. Um, so when one of the lead scientists for that project uh, was able to get Microsoft Research involved, the blueprint was really already there. Mm. Uh, and then Microsoft Research helped put up uh, these sensors across the city. So as we talk about across the city, what did your analysis reveal then about where the worst pollution hotspots are? Yeah, the so the first thing to say is that air pollution levels in Chicago meet the standards set by the EPA. But that doesn't mean that pollution is equally distributed across the city. When Chicago meets standards for air pollution, some people pay for it more than others, and some people pay less. Uh, what the data shows is that several neighborhoods suffer more from air pollution than other neighborhoods. Hotspots of, of pollution on the city's west and southwest sides, for example, like Austin or Little Village, consistently have levels of air pollution 20% higher than neighborhoods on the lake in the city's north side, like Lakeview, Edgewater, or Rogers Park. Maria, over to you now. You spoke with Irma Morales. She moved to Little Village nearly 30 years ago. What's her story? I wanted to highlight Irma's story because it's uh, it's a story that talks about how the community has worked for many years to clean up the air quality in that community. It's a me mostly Mexican community. And before, there was a coal plant. And so Irma worked very closely with other community organizations for 12 years to close this coal plant. And then once it closed, they actually worked together to try and get their voices heard with the city of Chicago so they could have input on what would happen in that space. But that didn't happen. What we saw happen was a botched implosion. Mm -hmm. And then we see we saw the opening of the uh, warehouse, uh, a massive target warehouse in that area. And so she was talking about how it's been really difficult for her to see how she continues to fight for better air quality in that community and to see that her voice is not heard. So she was part of this 12-year community-led effort, essentially, to close the Crawford power plant. 
And it doesn't sound like things got better even after that plant was shut down. Here is Irma actually talking in her own words about that in Spanish. ¿Por qué nos están vendiendo? Porque es como nos sentimos. Nos están vendiendo al mejor postor. This clip uh, was very powerful to me because she she was talking about how she feels like the the city is selling the air quality to the uh, highest bidder in 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 this industry. Air right? quality. Because wow. The, her community is located right next to an industrial corridor, the little village um, industrial corridor, and the city touts its proximity to the highway I fifty five. Um, as a way to connect um, industries, right? Um, there's now a lot of warehousing in that area. There is uh, metal um, recycling centers. There are asphalt plants. There's a lot of industry around that area. So she talks about how she's really frustrated because she keeps fighting for better air quality, but she's just not able to to see that happen. Brett, I want to bring you in now. Uh, you talked to a Southside pastor who grew up in Austin which is one of the hotspots that Dylan mentioned earlier. What did the pastor have to say about air pollution in that area? You know, he, he said he wasn't surprised. He, he didn't know that this monitoring was actually going on, including a, a sensor just outside his um, his church uh, you know, door. And um, he, he kind of framed it this way. Um, you know, Austin just has a, a lot of stresses, a lot of, economic and, and, and social stresses. Um, I mean, it, I don't think it's ever fully uh, come back from the foreclosure crisis. And, you know, it's, you know, it's pollution is just another, another thing. And, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he knows there's, there's health issues in the, in the community. And that's, you know, that's a problem that's compounded by the fact that there's, there's he told me that there's just not, you know, uh, you know, well uh, covered, you know, folks in terms of like you know, health insurance, People are uninsured or not insured at all, um, so it's you know it's, uh, it's it kind of adds to a, a list of uh, of pressures that the folks in Austin are already feeling. Mm-hmm. And help us fully understand, Brett, what happens when Chicagoans are exposed to high levels of air pollution. So in this case, we're talking about you know these these tiny particles. I mean, they're they're just very you know, they're they're not even visible to the you know the human eye, and um, they get you know embedded deep down into our lungs and can even, you know, enter our bloodstream. These are, uh, these are just not good, you know, for, for a whole host of, um, you know, reasons. I mean, you can have, you see high rates of asthma in these communities, you, see, you know, um, heart disease, you know, other uh, respiratory issues. Um, you know, there's been research, you know, linking COVID deaths to, to, you know, to air pollution um, in some of these, um, these, these, uh, these communities. And, and I should, I add too, that this isn't, this is really a known problem. I mean, you, you only have to go as far as the Chicago Air and Health Index uh, report from 2020, which is uh, online. If, if anybody can't find it, I'm happy to send it to them, like at bchase at sometimes.com. But uh, the city knows that this is a problem and um, has said that it's going to try to, um, you know, uh, take steps to, to, to fix it. Uh, there's a There's a large environmental study that's, Underway, that's going to look at you know cumulative uh, pollution impact in uh, you know some of these same communities, and um, and there's also a, a, a desire to add more uh, air sensors um, yeah. at the city level. Yeah. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking about a months-long investigation on Chicago's air quality by WBEZ 
the Chicago Sun-Times, and journalism nonprofit Muckrock. Now, the first digital story actually came out today. And with us to discuss are WBEZ's Maria Inez Samudio, Brett Chase with the Chicago Sun-Times, and Dylan Bergen of Muckrock. Maria, Brett just said something that's sticking with me and will continue to stick with me. He says, the city knows this is a problem. Why are we still dealing with it? Yeah, so I think that what this analysis shows and what this analysis is is actually doing for community is to really sort of um, showing us block by block by, you know, in a larger area where the pollution is located and what some of the community members that I've talked to, when when I tell them about this research, they say, um, we can use this as a way to keep advocating for lesser industries around our neighborhoods. So um, one of the things that we saw in this specific analysis is that um, the city's industrial corridors um, produce a lot of uh, air pollution as well as the highways, right? And so um, we have about 26 um, industrial corridors in the city of Chicago, and that's a way um, to keep some of those industries in um, the city of Chicago, right? So there, uh, these industries provide a lot of jobs, for mm-hmm. example. And so that's one of the things that has come up in the Little Village Industrial Corridor Plan. Uh, it was updated in 2019. And one of the main things that talks about is that they're, they want to expand on the warehousing jobs, right? Like the, the massive target that just opened mm-hmm. warehouse. And so um, so these are ways that the city kind of tries to keep some of, the, uh, some of the manufacturing jobs that we used to have in the city of Chicago, and they have left. Uh, but not all corridors are created equal. So we see how some of the corridors in the northern side of the city are being uh, rezoned, right? They're they're moving some of the restrictions so that more industry can come up and a newer industry can come up. Dylan, even with more than 100 sensors, that's not enough to get a complete analysis of, of pollution in the entire city, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, 100 sensors goes farther than the EPA, um, and that that's very important. But particulate matter or particulate pollution, like Brett mentioned, this small, it can change a lot by how air moves, vegetation, trees in the surrounding areas, high surface temperatures, or just by the emission source, whether it's highways or traffic or um, industry in the area. So ideally, there would be not just 100, but hundreds of sensors or even thousands placed across the grid of Chicago to account for all these different ways that pollution can travel and the many different places it comes from. Yeah, this the specific issue here is that it, that's not enough to cover large swaths of the southeast and far south sides. Yes, exactly. And and Microsoft placed their sensors in that region um, for specific reasons um, based on a statistical analysis that they did. Uh, but there also wasn't enough uh, coverage, Wi-Fi coverage for the sensors to connect to in that area. So that area of the city does have less sensors. Um, than other also less populated areas of the city. So, Brett, can you help dig into that a, a little bit more? The city wants to inc- says it wants to increase the number of sensors. Uh, it's part of its uh, wider environmental impact study. What are the details mm-hmm. there? So two things. Um, it was first announced uh, as part of the, the climate action plan that, that the city wanted to put more sensors. And um, they're still debating whether, you know, could, could some of those be what we refer to as like like regulatory grade? You know what the government uses to actually you know make these official determinations of whether you know we're being a clean air act or not, or more of these 
you know, cheaper sensors um, that aren't going to be as accurate. They could never be used to actually, you know, set, uh, you know, to make any sort of official decisions, but, you know, are, um, you know, educational and also, you know, just, you know, you know, potentially really narrowing down on those hot spots. Um, but the, uh, um, the, you know, the south, the southeast side is, is clearly a um, an area that that uh, that needs to be, um, you know, monitored better. Um, and in the far south side as well. I mean, there's, yeah. there's literally hundreds of of facilities that are being regulated for you know air pollution right now. Well, you know, as we've been discussing, the levels in Chicago currently don't exceed standards set by the EPA. Uh, this particular matter pollution has actually dropped over the past two decades. How likely is it, Brett, that these new findings are going to lead to meaningful change? You know, it, I think it just it just raises awareness. I mean, I, I I hope with every story I write, every you know every new bit of data that it you know it somehow helps people or you know adds to the the urgency to take action. Um, I mean, we we do have a you know a city and administration that you know is, is acknowledging there's a problem. It's just been. I think you know a lot of um, people in communities would say that you know it's just taking you know it's taking too long. And plus, you know we we can't study this to death. We need to start acting. Um, there is actually separately a, a city study that's looking at you know the the traffic um, and the, the impact of traffic in the southwest industrial corridors. Are you hopeful, Maria, that this work will will lead to meaningful change? You know, I rely heavily on uh, folks who have been doing this for a really long time. Uh, for example, Kim Weiserman with um, the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization uh, recently talked about um, these environmental sacrifice zones, as she calls these areas of the city that have elevated pollution levels, and the city just sort of uh, uh, the way that she describes it, pays uh, lip service. They, they they talk about how they want to clean up the air, how they want to clean up the spaces uh, during campaign season. But when it comes down to the actual work, they don't really see um, anything happening. She also talks about how they don't listen to community members. Well, let's listen to a little bit, little clip from uh, Kim Wasserman recently speaking at uh, a press conference. The days of dysfunction and business as usual must end. Equity, transparency, and accountability can no longer simply be election marketing gimmicks left to the wayside. There is a need for reforms in the city of Chicago, starting with the Chicago Department of Public Health, and a process in which community voices can truly be built in. Yeah, you can pick up where she left off there. You know, she she talks a lot about how um, during the implosion, right, we remember this from April 2020, uh, the, the plumes of dust in this neighborhood. And, and, and she talks about how the community still doesn't know how the city allowed this to happen. She talks about how leading up to the opening of the Target warehouse, uh, the community had a lot of input with the city and they met with the city and they wanted the city to, to actually build a space for youth because Little Village is such a dense community. There's a lot of kids and they don't really have a lot of open space. So the community keeps talking about how they don't want industry, they want more open space. And they often feel like they're not heard by Mm -hmm. by some of the local leaders. Well, Dylan, what other data are you going to be looking into as you all continue to work on this investigation? There are two main sources of data that we'll be interested in in coupling this data from, from the sensors with. Those two are environmental data or more environmental data and data on health outcomes. Um, so it's for more envir- environmental data. Uh, there's a team at the University of Chicago um, led by Marinia Kolak, 
called Chives, mm-hmm. um, and they've been putting together a lot of new data um, on on different things about Chicago's environment at the neighborhood level, whether it's tree density or surface temperatures, um, and putting this all into a mapping application. So I think we'll be looking through a lot of that data um, and trying to find other environmental data to source to help us make sense of what this uh, what these readings mean, um, where they're coming from, but then also what the consequences of them are. And that's where the, the data on health outcomes comes from, mm-hmm. or comes in, um, whether it's hospitalizations from asthma or deaths from respiratory illnesses. Um, but again, I'll, I'll bring that back to the neighborhood level, which is really the, the strong part of having such a hyper-local uh, air quality data set. Brett, what about you? What other issues are you keeping an eye on? So I've been writing about Chicago's poor air quality for a few years now and, you know, environmental justice and climate justice and climate just in general. Those are, these are you know, topics I'm going to continue covering. Maria, what about you? I am really looking forward to continuing to write about these industrial corridors. Um, my story will air on um, this afternoon, so please tune in, 91.5, um, hopefully around 3 or 4 p.m. today. And all things considered. We've been speaking with WBEZ's Maria Ines Samudio, Brett Chase with the Chicago Sun-Times, and Dylan Bergen of Muckrock. Now, you can read the first digital story of their months-long investigation on Chicago's air quality at WBEZ.org. And you heard her listen for Maria's story this afternoon. Thank you all for your time today. Great reporting. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.